This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDT. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad that you are with us. Back in April, we talked with a few people about how Metro Detroit organizations were retooling their spaces and their workflows to help with the demand for things like PPE and other pandemic-related needs. Now that we're in December, we thought it was time to check back in with one of those organizations to see how they've been doing and what's in store for winter. Jen Guarino is the CEO and chair of the Industrial Sewing and Innovation Center here in Detroit. Jen, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. Uh, Well, it's, uh, it's great to have you back with us. We talked to you just as the pandemic was really winding up uh, this spring. Uh, And so we should start with having you remind us of the original mission of the Industrial Sewing and Innovation Center and how that changed uh, as the pandemic got started. Well, we are a National Institute for the Sewn Trades, a nonprofit based here in Detroit. And our our purpose is to relentlessly innovate industry and better lives. And so we are a training institute, and we prepare people for advanced careers in um, apparel manufacturing for the future. And talk about what the pandemic did to your work and your outlook on what your work should be. Back in April, we were set to open our facility, which is above the Carhartt flagship store on Cass. And we were preparing to launch with our original plan to train and manufacture um, clothes. And when the pandemic hit, we realized that we had a, um, a special set of skills and resources that we could reallocate to the manufacturing of PPE, which we felt was a, a more responsible use of those resources during a time uh, when gowns and masks were desperately needed. So uh, we quickly called upon our network in the city and the state and the mayor's office and said, we're here, we're ready. And we reached out to a Detroit Medical Center who helped us to develop a gown. Mm. And we quickly designed a gown and bulk purchased uh, medical grade material to make those gowns. And we uh, cut the gowns and we distributed them uh, across 15 different companies in Detroit and across the country to manufacture gowns for the state and for DMC. And tell us how that's how that's gone. I mean, uh, we are in month nine of the pandemic really disrupting uh, everybody's life. What's that been like uh, at the Industrial Sewing and Innovation Center? Well, you can imagine it's it's a heavy lift to start uh, a, a new facility and start manufacturing and train people um, in, in its own right. And we had to shift quickly to making a product we had never made. Um, so it was an all-out effort. Uh, we had a staff of people that literally worked for four to five months, seven days a week um, to do that. So it was, and it was a steep learning curve. You know, when you're making uh, gowns to protect people on the front lines, you want to make sure that you're making something of quality that is truly going to protect them. So it was fast and furious. We called upon a lot of experts to help us. Mm. Um, but it was, it was a challenge, to say the least. But the Detroit um, you know, sewing community came together in just a phenomenal way. The level of collaboration was, was just amazing. 
And it, it really showed us um, the power of an expertise like industrial sewing. Um, you know, we're now shifting back towards making apparel. We'll, we're still here to support uh, the manufacturing of PPE. We're still making gowns and still making masks. Uh, thanks to the support of the Rock family of companies, um, they gave us a sonic welding machine for three-ply masks, which I think, as you have heard, is re- the mask you want to wear. You want to be wearing three-ply to give yourself um, the best protection. So we're, we're manufacturing those as well. Mm. And give us an idea of volume. Uh, what what kind of volume have you had to produce for these kind of materials during the worst parts of the pandemic? We've made um, over 400,000 masks and we've made over 150,000 gowns. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's just an amazing, that's an amazing number. <laughs> and when you think about uh, all of the all of the people that that has helped during the during this crazy time. Uh, I mean, that's just that's just mind blowing. And you're just one one institution making that kind of uh, that kind of material uh, for people. Um, back in April, there was a partnership of sorts happening between Detroit Denim and Pingree Detroit and Chinola and Carhartt uh, and your organization. Talk a little about where where that stands now. Well, we are we are here because of the support of our partners, and, and, and Carhartt has been just extraordinary. I mean, they've built out a, a, just a stunning space for us to be in, um, and companies, um, you know, like Detroit Denim, uh, Shinola, Pingree, really supported us in reaching out to the community to get people on board to quickly um, pivot their own operations to make gowns. So this is something that had we tried to do it alone, um, we wouldn't have much of an impact. But thanks to our partners and reaching out to the greater network, we were able to aggregate both demand and capacity to, to meet the, this dire need. Mm. Um, uh, what's the plan for this winter and for the foreseeable future? Things are getting worse Again, with COVID-19, the, the, the number of cases is going up, the number of hospitalizations is going up. Are you still seeing the kind of demand for uh, PPE and other and other COVID-related material? Well, we've seen the, the demand drop off a bit as um, organizations uh, began to stockpile. But over the last two weeks, we've definitely seen a spike in demand again. And fortunately, you know, we still have our lines running to meet those demands. Um, because of the nature of our factory, um, we have a flexible manufacturing setting, so people are cross-trained to make multiple types of products, so we can quickly reallocate them to make whatever is in demand today. Um, one of the greatest challenges, too, is to protect our own employees. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we worked um, when, most, when most companies were in lockdown, and so did the companies uh, in, in the alliance. And so we had to, you know, input measures, policies to protect our own employees. Hmm. So, um, you know, we we relayed out our factory to make sure that we had distancing between machines that you normally wouldn't have, wearing masks, uh, going through a protocol when you come in every morning so that we can make sure everybody's healthy. And if there was any uh, concern, um, we could cr- you know, react quickly and have um, contact tracing in place. Fortunately, I can say that we've all been able to stay safe, um, which is great. But it's really, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of frontline workers. 
you have a lot of people serving the people that are that are that are ill, um, but then you have the people that are supporting those people. And so I I view the people that kept working through all this as you know, um, you know, courageous people in, in a different right. Mm. Uh, one of the things that you guys are really focused on at Isaac uh, is workforce development. Uh, talk about your workforce and who they are and how important the, the work you're doing is for them. Well, we, uh, we have long believed that the fashion industry needed an overhaul. We're not the only ones, but certainly there was, there was no um, institute focused on uh, really uh, desperately needed changes to an, an unethical industry that was really reliant on exploiting the people that make are making product. Mm. And so we're turning that on its head, and uh, we put people first. We don't believe you can call a product sustainable if it's still reliant on people that don't lead sustainable lives. So we are creating training systems where you, you learn industrial sewing as, as a fundamental skill, but then there's paths to grow your career in multiple directions. You can become a technical designer, an instructor, a technician. And typically in our, in our industry, you know, you're, you, you were expected if you were on the factory floor to learn one thing, do it fast and furiously, and, and, and expect you not to want more out of your career. And, and we think the complete opposite. We don't believe that you should just be expected to learn one thing. We believe that we should be preparing you for skills for the future of manufacturing, which you know, requires digital literacy, which requires understanding new technologies. And so we, we pay, you know, uh, above industry standard. We uh, pay 100% um, uh, of... I think we might have lost Jen there. Uh, we're going to try to get Jen back on the line to continue that conversation. Meantime, uh, let's open up the phones and hear from folks uh, about how they're doing during the pandemic, uh, how they are thinking about vaccines, something we were talking about earlier. Uh, what are you thinking about the coronavirus the vaccine that is quickly being developed and is on its way, should be distributed sometime early next year? Are you somebody who's going to take that vaccine because uh, you feel like uh, it will it will be safe? Uh, or are you somebody who's a little skeptical of all of that and is going to wait uh, to see how it all plays out before you uh, before you get it for yourself or for your family? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. <clears throat> you can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter, put comments there, and we'll work you back into the conversation. Uh, we do have uh, Jen Guarino back with Isaac. Jen, uh, you got cut off there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> go ahead. You were you were talking about the the, the workforce that uh, uh, that you involve uh, there at Isaac, and how different it is from other parts of uh, the fashion industry. Yes, you know, we, we really believe that, um, you know, there's the, the skills gap that you hear uh, often is, is really not a, a, a skills gap. It's a values gap. Hmm. Um, you know, who wants to be something that people don't value? And so we are shifting the value proposition to make uh, the industry and consumers understand that people making the product are the most valued. And so uh, they should earn a, a livable wage and they should have career paths from that opening 
uh, entry-level position. And that's what we're dedicated to do, and we do that with, with partners. Um, and it's, it's, it's very important for us to understand the expertise and skill that these people bring to our industry and that they're a valued piece of the industry and paid appropriately. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you feel like you've learned uh, during the, the pandemic about staying flexible and staying nimble as a manufacturer, but also the critical importance of employment uh, and, and making sure that employment is available uh, for the people who, who work uh, there with you at Industrial Sewing? You know, manufacturing has been, um, you know, burdened with instability and uncertainty for, for a long time. And, you know, we really believe that um, if you, if you want to stay uh, a sustainable operation and you want to be competitive, that you really do need flexibility in what you can manufacture and to look at new processes to be quick and responsive in manufacturing. And that, in the end of the day, the more you can do that, the more these jobs are, are secured. Um, I think what we're learning is flexibility and skill is critical. Um, to be able to take a group of people that maybe in working one cell can move to another, that's critical. Um, and that skill should be appropriately um, awarded. Um, I think through the pandemic, you know, we, we take manufacturing for granted. And uh, when we understood that we were overly reliant on importing products that protect ourselves, um, it shined a light on how important it is to, to be able to make things. Mm. And, you know, we're not purists. We don't believe that, you know, everything needs to be made uh, close to home. But certainly a lot more should be made close to home. It's good for economic development and for, for jobs. But it's also good as just a, a national um, philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I wonder what you make of uh, the need and the absence, at least for now, uh, for, for, of help from the government to sustain businesses through this time. I mean, so many businesses are really struggling uh, to keep their doors open and keep their people working. Uh, you've found a way around that, it seems, but certainly it would, it would be easier for you and better for the people who work for you if there was uh, more support. Well, you know, we've experienced the benefit of, of receiving support where mm -hmm. it mattered. So the Michigan Economic Development Corporation and Pure Michigan Business Connect, they helped to fund us. They helped to connect everybody. And it was, it was relevant help. And I think what I have learned more than any, anything is, you know, we are an institute that is driven by industry, meaning that we understand what industry needs. And to the extent that you can work with government so that they're clear on what industry actually needs versus what they think you need, I think that's the, the real critical component. And so, you know, not one kind of help fits all. Mm. And uh, that makes help more complicated. Um, but I think that industry, no matter if you're a, a small, privately held, you know, um, coffee shop or whether you're a large corporation, you have to make your needs clear. And you also have to create an alliance of like businesses to make that voice louder. Hmm. Uh, so uh, when the pandemic kind of ends, uh, whenever that is, and none of us, of course, has any idea when that will be, give us an idea of 
what would be next for industrial sewing and innovation and, and where you hope to take all of this? Well, we are already um, working on, on the future. Uh, we are uh, launching a pretty significant uh, initiative around sustainability. Um, we're working with the Herb Institute from the University of Minnesota. We have a um, we have a fellow for two years that's working solely on our sustainable initiatives. We are also working on our next apprenticeship program. Right now, we have a Department of Labor certified industrial sewing apprenticeship program. We're now building uh, another one for um, equipment technicians. And so we're continuing the, the, the work. I think that, um, you know, we already have brands that are speaking with us about manufacturing their clothes and manufacturing them in Detroit in a sustainable way. And we have already started to work with brands to do that. Hmm. And then we're also looking to different ways to deliver training. So we'll have workshops. We have, you know, uh, six, seven-week classes that you can take. And we're also looking to build some online alternatives to deliver um, those workshops and uh, classes. Okay. Jen Guarino, CEO and Chair at Industrial Sewing and Innovation Center, formerly VP manufacturing at Shinola. It was really great to have you back here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. And uh, uh, thanks for letting us uh, share our story with you. And, and just to, if I could, um, ask for support from the community so we can continue our, um, our good work. Uh, we, you can go to uh, Facebook and LinkedIn to support Giving Tuesday. And uh, we look forward to continuing the work um, from Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, no, great that you guys are here. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's going to do it for us today. Uh, tune in tomorrow for a look at what's happening with coronavirus outbreaks in Michigan jails and prisons. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow. <laughs>